Hey everybody, welcome back to the Empire State Conservatives Podcast, episode 147. It is me, your host, Evan, here with the infamous Gabe Montalvo and a very special guest, candidate for New York State Assembly out of New York District 23, Peter Hazapetros Esquire. Pete, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Guys, before we get started, just a reminder to visit our website at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com. There you can find all of our articles, videos, and links to our shows, not to mention our amazing snowflake melting merch, the profits of which go to help us destroy leftist tyranny in New York, which we desperately, desperately need to do as we are on the brink of destruction. So, Peter, if you can, please just give the folks at home a little bit of background on you and why you decided to run for the State Assembly. Yeah, uh, so great question. Um, so I'm an attorney. Uh, I started my practice about three years ago, but I've been an attorney for about five years. Federal uh, and state <clears throat> focused, started off doing a lot of criminal defense, then went into contract law. Then I got sucked up into the whole Bitcoin um, cryptocurrency game and realized that, you know, the uh, SEC, IRS, and all of the powers that be were going to get involved. So I've been focusing on that primarily. And I decided to uh, jump into politics. I think it was ex- exactly January 25th, 2019, when I read the first draft of the Bail Elimination Act. And I said, uh, oh boy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I- that, that thing is a complete mess. And it seems that every, basically everyone who's running now is running on ending bail reform because bail reform has been the biggest failure in New York State in at least my recent memory. This thing literally just made crime skyrocket. It, it just it's, it is an abject failure. There is no other way around it. Yeah. And, you know, it's look, it used to be that. I mean, growing up, you would hear about public policy and um, new bills and legislation, and you'd be able to deduce either, one, the common sense rationale or the intended goal, or two, at the very least, you'd be able to figure out whose wallets were getting fatter. <clears throat> Minimum. With the Bail Elimination Act, the closing of Rikers Island, sustainable green energy, the whole uh, Green New Deal, it's not even corrupt anymore. It's weird. The whole state of politics, especially in New York uh, and L.A., it's just it's it it lacks all, you know, common sense. It's pure nonsense. So leftism is what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? It's it's there is no Democratic Party anymore, at least not anyone running on any particular ticket. The Democratic Party used to be down the middle, you know, blue collar workers, you know, a modicum of, of, of government uh, programming, but now they've gone so far left, they don't even know what's right anymore. Gabe? I mean, I'm just glad that we have more people uh, that, you know, almost seem like they've got the Trump bug, almost, you know, the outsider mentality. We've said this before, I'll say it again. We're not having career politicians that study poli-sci or have worked in cabinets and administrations before just to come in and try and peddle that, you know, establishment uh, mentality. Now, my question uh, for you, Peter, is your your predecessor, uh, Matthew uh, Pecorino, lost to the incumbent by a little more than half. Uh, yeah, pretty large margin. He got about half the votes of, of, uh, of Stacey, your mm-hmm. opponent there. What do you think you can do better than, than uh, Mr. Pecorino? Well, uh, 
I did all the numbers before I even was endorsed. And I was just looking at, based off public data, um, the number of registered voters by party, et cetera, from the 2016 election, and then the midterm, and then registered for 2020. And the turnout is just, <clears throat> it's always been abysmal. And I think that a lack of voter turnout is, is probably why, but also my district, which includes the Rockaway Peninsula, Broad Channel, Ozone Park, Howard Beach, Hamilton Beach, and uh, Lindenwood. A lot of registered Democrats. Um, but I genuinely believe, at least my, my game plan here, is to target the demographic that the Democratic Party is pandering to. Those whom are going to be inheriting this city. The ones whom... The politicians are saying, this is for you because we're big government, so we know what's best for you, you know, and, and, and do as we say, but not as we do. And yet you look at the policy five, ten years down the line, and it's terrible. It doesn't gear towards the incoming generations, my generation, our generation. You know, I'm going to be 33. And um, I'm very heavy in tech, <clears throat> but I'm also very heavy in um, family values but also old school traditional business mentality. And I don't COVID or whatever it may be, I still can't feel comfortable closing a business deal unless I shake a, a person's hand and look them in the eye and know whether or not there's somebody worth doing business with. So the way to get a different turnout is to appeal to that generation of voters between 18 and I, I would say probably 35, who have always thought that their vote didn't count because it was such a traditionally blue state that's what we've seen consistently with this. And then we look at the way that the state voted for Trump and you realize that most of the state is not blue, but we do have a problem with voter apathy where people are told by the media that your vote doesn't count because this is a blue state. This is a blue state. This is a blue state. And it's really not besides yeah. Westchester, the four boroughs in New York city, besides Staten Island, it's a pretty red state. Nassau the County, is purple. Is Suffolk County is red. Westchester is bluish purple. But it's really a very red state and people believe the lies. And it's more about getting out there and telling people that you don't have to believe that. And that's exactly why we started this podcast was, hey, if we believe this way, there's got to be other people. There's no way we're Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the most important thing is that they're, they're neat. And that's, I guess, the Trump, the, the Trump um, strategic approach that he took was that he was prepared to take the flack for saying what he genuinely believed people were ready to hear. And you hear stories, you watch the Rod, Get Me Roger Stone documentary on Netflix, which was incredible. I read his book, The Art of the Deal, a couple times. The man would walk the construction sites and he would talk to his people, to people that were helping him with deals to do construction. I mean, he, he, you saw the footage back in, what was it, the 80s on Oprah, when he was asked, would you run for president? His, his answer has been in very, you know, it's, hasn't varied. If I see the country going down the path that it's been going, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. And he did it. And he went out there and he told people they were ready to hear. And it's, you know, you're being lied to. And I think that if there's one thing that he has done, it has shown a light on how we are all being fed this propaganda type of um, narrative from six different news media outlets and if you're a shaping, evolving mind and you see Fox News that's got one story and you're trying to combat it, benefit of the doubt, and you see six, seven, eight, nine, ten others that are all repeating their side, 
I mean, logic will prevail at that point, and they'll say, well, I'm going to believe the majority of the narrative. And by saying fake news, <laughs> I think you really open up a lot of people's minds. Oh, 100%. And I think the biggest thing that the left does is they lie. The leftist media just straight up lies. We saw it recently where there's a video of this woman claiming that that uh, President Trump wouldn't even say George Floyd's name. Meanwhile, the day after the incident, he not only said George Floyd's name, he said that he would direct the Justice Department to yeah. look into a federal investigation into the incident. The day I, think after, he, I think he mentioned it. I think he, ordered, I think he said that I'm going to appoint that the DOJ go in and see how this thing went down. Exactly. And they lie and they say that he's a racist and he doesn't care. And it's all nonsense because they were all willing to take his money before he ran for president against Hillary. The NAACP, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, everyone was willing to take his money. He wasn't he's a racist the most, back then. He's the most racist man to win the NAACP award for employing the most black Americans in history. It's pretty phenomenal. He hosted the Young Black Leadership Summit at the White House. He hosted Hispanic Americans at the White House. This is a man who is could, if he wanted to, sue the news for so much money. For defamation of character and for slander, it's absolutely ridiculous. What's what, what's really disappointing, too, is forget about the accolades. They'll never give him credit for. I think he knew that going in. But real quick, Melania Trump. I mean, is she not the most beautiful American dream story? She's an immigrant, speaks seven languages. She's quaint. She's she, she's classy. She's I mean, and they won't put her on a magazine. Designers won't let her let her wear their dresses it's so back asswards it doesn't make sense and it causes you to really kind of re-examine um how the rest of the country feels because i believe that it's new york city and los angeles and then everyone else you think anybody in north dakota is talking about the kid from covington who by the way i'm glad cnn settled i'd love to know what that amount was but <laughs> they're not hundreds of millions yeah easily a Soros, uh, you know, deductible. Yeah. You know, but they'll destroy anyone in their path. And it's not so much the lying, it's the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy is outrageous. Ban, ban all firearms. We're walking into a uh, speech. Is my entire detail armed? Okay, good. You know, it's the, we need to reduce carbon emissions. No more planes. After this speech, let's go jump on our jet back to D.C. After we drive uh, off in the Range Rover, too. Yeah, or de Blasio's suburban detail. Um, and then my favorite is the, the racist border wall, you know, which they're claiming is a terrible thing in their mansions that are protected by what? A freaking wall. And they were all cl clamoring for more border security before Trump was elected. I think Clinton, it was a Obama, initiative. all of them. They were all talking about fortifying the border. Yeah, I think it was a Clinton initiative in 96, and uh, Obama reinforced it. And my favorite video that someone put together is all of them talking about, we need more border security, we will not tolerate immigrants coming over our border, and you just see Trump is doing a... <laughs> you know, the man doesn't care. The man doesn't care what people think about him. He does what he thinks is in the best interest of of the american people and sometimes he gets it right sometimes he gets it wrong but at least he's consistently inconsistent if you will yeah, my favorite one is um only the police need guns and they'll protect you but also all the police are racist yes like, how, they, they can't both be true well i mean <laughs> in preparation for this i just wanted to pull up something pretty interesting 
this is an FBI um, statistic from 2016 because I'm all about facts, not feelings. I, I really, exactly. really don't care about how things make people feel. Um, but the host disabled the attendee screen sharing, so I'll just read it. <laughs> and basically, it's the FBI data sheet that was released for 2016 for the, um, you know, the murder rates in the country. And the victims, okay, total 3,500 um, white Americans were murdered. Of those, the, the, the offenders, the, the killers, 2,850 of them were white. Only 533 black men killed white people. Of the 2,870 black Americans that died, 2,570 of them were killed by other black Americans. So the numbers are so skewed as far as the narrative goes. And yeah, is there a huge disproportionate um, you know, per capita issue here? Yes. Black Americans make up 13% of the United States population. They're incarcerated more. You know, the death toll is obviously higher. Um, but let's just look at numbers. You know what I mean? And, and why should it take something like what happened in Minnesota for this to gain attention? This should have been the focal point for years now. Yeah, but they, no one wants to hear about numbers, though, because if you look at numbers last year, you had nine African-American males who were unarmed killed by the police, and you had 19 white American males killed by the police who were unarmed. According to that, you should have white people marching in the streets against police brutality. Yeah, but not only that, though, that's nine Af- black Americans too many and 19 white Americans too many, right? So, oh, But also unarmed doesn't mean exactly. that they weren't a threat. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. Um, but we're going to be told whatever we're going to be told. I think what happened to George Floyd in, in Minnesota is obviously absolutely terrible. I don't think anybody disputes that. In fact, I don't think I've heard anybody condone those actions, and yet they no still one. somehow managed to politicize it the same way they politicized the pandemic. And people are just being force-fed this weird narrative as if, the president of the United States, it was in control of all of this. You just have individual cities that are run by shit mayors all okay, that are governed by even worse governors. And if, I'm telling you, if I have to hear one more person ref- make the reference to the phrase um, Cuomo sexual, I'm going to jump out. I'm going to jump out of the building. Maybe they just like dudes with pierced nipples. I mean, look, who doesn't at the end of the day? Right. But yeah, you have to look at numbers. You have to look at the direction that things are going. It's like Wayne Gretzky said. He was the greatest of all time because he didn't skate to where the puck was. He skated to where it was going. And right now, I don't think there is a plan. I think for a very long time, they tried to get the president out of office. And in doing so, they disregarded their own home cities and states. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you see Nancy Pelosi's district is, was riddled with homelessness. Oh, my and God. It, it's yeah. horrible. Tent cities, San Francisco. That's why San Francisco is no longer the, the tech hub of the United States. It's New York now. Um, New York is definitely the technology hub uh, of the United States, and the innovative sandbox is definitely Wyoming. And you'll never hear about it, but it, that's just what it is. They have the, the most lenient and open-minded laws when it comes to blockchain technology, um, what is and what isn't a security that's a zero corporate income tax. I mean, it, they punish us for living in New York. 
they chew. It's very bizarre. But speaking of plans, you know, if should you be elected, which we hope you are, because you know, let's get good candidates and get de- in and Democrats out. But we will need to rebuild this state. If you know Cuomo is bankrupted, De Blasio bankrupted New York City, there's a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. What is your plan for you know getting New York up and running? We need businesses to come here. We need you know jobs. We need these things to get up and running. And there's been a lot of destruction due to COVID, due to the riots, due to all these things, due to career politicians. You know, what is what is your plan to get us going? Well, running for, running for assembly, you're kind of uh, limited to your community of like the five neighborhoods that I had mentioned. So um, one of my biggest problems is the is the pandering of this because the Democratic Party has a super majority in the assembly. So they have, I believe, uh 100 uh, Democrats, there's 49 Republicans and one independent. So they can really just phone it in and get bills passed. Um, I don't want to, my vision, I don't want to exceed the scope of what's in the best interests of the community that I will knock on wood be elected to serve. Uh, Because I think that politicians, in particular in New York, they forget that they're public servants. And when asked for a job description of a public servant, they genuinely forget that they are there to serve the public. So my platform is entirely based on transparency. <clears throat> you know, um, right now I'm working on uh, an API that will basically just grab data from the New York State uh, LegisCan um, so, you know, engine that has all the data of all the proposed bills. And in real time, just bring it right over to my campaign website. People could just go there and see all the new bills introduced, little summary, and they can click thumbs up, thumbs down, a little transparency. Let people see what it is that, you know, their elected officials, if they really are representing what it is that is in their best interest. Because I'll tell you what, this is probably the first time I'm going to be I'm calling out my uh, opponent, if you will. But there isn't a chance in hell that uh, she read the Bail Elimination Act and said either A, oh, they're going to love this. I vote yes. B, you know what? They're not going to like this, but I'm going to vote party line anyway. Or C, uh, she didn't read it at all. You know, and that's a problem. Uh, I think it's a huge problem. People are always, what was the Nancy Pelosi response to the Obamacare? Um, what's in the bill? And she said, uh, we'll know after, after we pass it. We'll read it after we pass it. You can't do that. And that's what they did with the Bail Elimination Act, you know? But in, 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 in their defense, it's easier to pass a bill that's broad and then they can narrow it down because you're never going to get the perfect bill through. Um, it's all about who's going to get their little favors in there first. I think transparency is a big thing, is a big problem with New York State government as we see that they're constantly passing things in the middle of the night that nobody likes. Yeah. They did it with Reproductive Health Act. They did it with bail reform. They did it with the SAFE Act. It's, hey, let's do this under the cover of darkness because we know people aren't going to like it. And that's not what their job is. Like you said it, like Liz Joy said, but for a lot of all these people we've had on, all the outsiders know that your job is to serve the people. So why are you doing things the people aren't going to like or approve of? You know what? I got to be perfectly honest with you. I, I, I don't know. Um, I remember driving home from a Rangers game and I remember reading um, it was an, it was a, it was a, it was an alert that went off that said that they had just passed in Albany uh, an expansion of the scope of uh, governor Cuomo's 
you know, powers in the state of an emergency. And this was before, I mean, people were still Googling coronavirus thinking that it was, you know, it, it was, it was a cocktail beverage or whatever it is. <laughs> so I'm saying to myself, it's two o'clock in the morning. What is happening? You know, a week later, he, he, he shuts everything down. You know, how he handled it, I'm still on the fence. Uh, knock on wood, I don't know anybody personally uh, that died either with or from or even, you know, during the pandemic. So uh, I think it's it's insensitive and obtuse to kind of say that it's a scam and that it wasn't a real thing. I mean, look, there, there was a virus. It was a new strain of it. Um, but the collateral damage that that took place, the crippling of small businesses, and I'm a small business guy. I've been working with entrepreneurs for as long as I've been an attorney. And to already have the system working against you and then being told that you don't even have the option of opening your business to the public. We're just going to shut you down unless you're a real estate broker, an attorney, uh, or basically a union contractor because private companies and businesses were not getting any love whatsoever. Gabe? I mean, it's everything that you guys have been saying so far has been spot on. What we're finding is that we have a government that refuses to stand up for what they believe in, so much so that they will just pass everything at the dead of night and just you know carry on as if everything is normal. And then we, as Republicans, conservatives, right-leaning uh, individuals, and even some on the on, you know moderate Democrats will sit there, you know, arms crossed and say, "What the hell just happened? Like, how could we? Yeah, you know, you know like confused. Exactly. So my whole thing is, where is the accountability, and why is it possible for the, these people to get away with it. I'm sure that there are loopholes and say, well, technically they're not getting away with it because they sent it to like five people via email and they should have passed it on and through some sort of email chain. I know for me personally, I had to ask my city council person, my congresswoman, uh, I had to call their offices several times um, and the assembly several times so I can actually be aware of what's happening. I'm still not on the assembly um, email uh, list and Every time I, I call, I'm asked, they ask me, so what's your name? Give me my name. What's your address? Give me the address. And I can almost, it almost feels like as soon as they see the R, they're like, oh, that's not good. They I don't think it's, it's, it, look, it's ridiculous. And it's right. like I said, it's all transparency. And in the age of technology that we have right now, um, <clears throat> we just spent two years talking about how it was potentially possible that a foreign government in a, in a land far, far away meddled with our election. So obviously technology these days is borderless. Okay. It should be able to cross over County lines within a state. So you can have emails go out. I don't, you know, I still get in the mail pamphlets on my car door from our local assembly woman, whom by the way, nobody knows about outside of her, you know, home, home turf in Rockaway. <clears throat> She doesn't support the 106 precinct in Ozone Park. Um, you know, it's she's a ghost. So you use technology, you use emails. You know, you you send out a survey that says, "Would you rather, uh, you know, like credit cards? Would you like to enroll in paperless mailing? Something to that effect." There's no way that you need, you know, massive copious amounts of dollars and cents to run ads, 
to get, you know, letters out there to inform your community, um, you know, have a YouTube channel. I mean, that is a tremendous platform now. Okay. Not for conservatives, it's not. Right, right. No, that's why I've been a libertarian my whole life. You know what I'm saying? I just don't want to piss anyone off. Peter, there's an issue with everything that you're saying. You're making too much sense. How dare you? Like, this is, like, come on, we're supposed to be, (laughs) this is government. This is not supposed to make sense. Then again, that's why you're, that's why you said you're a libertarian. My, My biggest thing is, it seems as though your opponent happens to have deep ties with the wonderful non-corrupt UFT. And I'm pretty sure they're going to come out in force and, uh, you know, try and support, um, try and support your opponent. Uh, because it seems like, you know, your ideas again, make too much sense, which will, you know, which the UFT is something that they wouldn't like the, the department of education, uh, I feel like is just horrible. Yeah. And, you know, I've worked with children actually, um, in from ages from the kindergarten age to the fourth grade age and it was really sad when you had you know even second graders which was my main group that i worked with you know i would say okay how do you do this addition problem and they're trying to do everything in their head because of common core because they're told that you're not supposed to use your hands how dare you use your hands and if you don't know how to explain right but if you don't know how to explain two plus two equals four in the essay question they give you below Instead of just saying, well, if you just count the numbers, it's still going to be marked wrong. It's very obtuse, and it's obviously not working. No, it's not. It's an abomination. If you look at the literacy rates and the math proficiency rates in the state of New York, it is absolutely embarrassing. They're both well well below the 50% margin. Okay, it's clearly not working. And I was reading it a few weeks ago that the UFT um, representatives were furious about an announcement that was made by, oh God, what's that guy's name? He's so amazingly brilliant and qualified for his job. Chancellor Carranza. Oh God. Okay. The worst. He may be the worst human being in, you know, in, in of all time. However, um, <clears throat> I've taken a different approach. Education is important to me um, because I grew up in Howard Beach. I went to PS 207, which was up the road. And I really think that they shaped me into being, you know, mature and smart enough to go on to, you know, Bay Academy and Sheepshead Bay and then St. Francis Prep in, in, in Fresh Meadows. So to hear that these kids are coming home confused about the curriculum, watching parents not know how to help because they don't understand it, <clears throat> what's happening is that you're seeing the old adage that we have in sports where players win and coaches lose. If a student comes home with a good score, my kid is a genius. My kid, if a kid comes home with a bad grade, it's the teacher's fault. And the parents blame the teachers from the ground up. And then the principals and superintendents blame the teachers from the top down. And they're getting the short end of the stick. And it's because this new curriculum was, you were forced, you forced a circle into a square and they didn't allocate the resources appropriately by first using the money to educate the educators. Here is how you need to teach this whole new way of, you know, instructing mathematics or arithmetic. It used to be two plus two is four. Now it's, well, you know, um, Jerome or whatever modern hippie name you want to call it, uh, Brooklyn, went to the supermarket to get six oranges and he was trying to understand why oranges are I mean, it just makes no sense. There's no responsibility and accountability. And I just think back to when I had to learn the times table. And it was that big, you know, 
And I just remember saying to myself, holy shit, nine times nine is 81. How am I going to remember this? You know? And you sometimes, some, some things you just have to know. Mm-hmm. And I can think the concept of understanding why is important. But when you don't help the teachers, you're setting them up to fail and it's not right. Right. I remember my graduating class, the high school graduating class of 2016 was actually the last uh, class to b- before Common Core was actually implemented. And even still, we had technology like smart boards that were just being introduced into yep. uh, public schools and certain public schools. And we had students teach teachers how to use the technology with having, I will should be less experienced with the technology. And my question to you is, aside from, you know, what you already said with educating educators, is what would you do with the nanny rubber room state that the that is the Department of Education where you have a bad teacher but you can't fire him because it costs X and amount of thousands of dollars. And everything else, yep. Right. And you have to they show up to work, they still get salary, but they just go into the teacher's lounge doing whatever it is they want. I yep. remember I, I had a geometry teacher in, in uh, high school. I got B's because I, I got a B in the class because I said good morning, good afternoon, how are you? Because I listened, not because I actually knew the material, but I was one of the only students that actually showed respect in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I brought this up to the principal and I said, I do not deserve this grade. Please. I need an educator. I need someone that can actually teach this to me. And the principal herself said, we cannot fire her for a few more years because of the union. What are your thoughts on that? How can we fix that? What, do you think it needs to be fixed? Well, number one, is that a real story? Swear to God. Were you that you were that guy that got like the 96 and complained after class about the other four points? I did get a 96 on the U.S. history regions. Oh, God, I hated history. I got 97. Um, ha! I didn't yeah. know who my senator was. I was, I was sick that day. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, well, number one, uh, my all my friends are comprised of two groups. One, firemen, very important to me, uh, and two, uh, public school uh, teachers. So the more you listen, the more you learn. When I found out that it took teachers 22 years for them to be eligible to receive top pay in the DOE, I couldn't believe it. Not only could I not believe it, I can't believe I didn't know that, you know, and a lot of people don't know that. So imagine you're at a job where you've got to educate kids in a way that even you yourself don't understand, but you're still held responsible for it. And you've got to do this every day for 22 years in order to make top pay. You've already made tenure, but now you need top pay. I think one of the important things to do is to have some type of a merit-based system where, you know, the more success and proficiency that your class earns, okay, the lower the threshold and the ceiling will be in order for you to be eligible for top pay, okay? Now, where does that money come from? You know, I'm sure we can find places. I I think um, the first lady of of the city of New York may have some money in the walls in Gracie Mansion, about 980 million of it, I don't know. I thought you were going to say defund the police. No, 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 no. Defunding the police, I think, is, um, I think they're all just going to give up if we keep failing to support them. Um, But that's a whole other issue that we'll try and touch on because it's bullshit. Excuse my language. Um, But as far as as, as the the public school education system, right now is ripe for us to open our our eyes and ears, uh, virtual learning, so to speak. Um, 
teachers now pretty much have a firsthand understanding as to which students are going to be coming to class ill-prepared because they were able to get a bird's eye view of what the home environment was like during these virtual learning classes. Do they have support at home? Do they have teachers at home, etc.? But also, you know, it's not so much to just provide the software, the hardware, the, um, the iPads, the computers. You have to invest money to teach the educators on how to use and implement the technology in the classroom. You know, smart boards, whiteboards, iPads, that's all great and fancy. But it's, you know, making it appeal to the average learner. My nephew's four years old. Kid is glued to his, his iPad and YouTube, but he's one of the smartest kids. Okay. He, I taught him how to negotiate. I mean, I can't get anything without him making a counter offer. He's a brilliant kid. And, you know, he's on his thing and he's watching YouTube and a notification notification will come in and he swipes it up. The ads will come up and he'll go to the next one. These kids are learning and regurgitating information through digital platforms. So it's, it's like you said up earlier, it's obtuse and it's narrow minded to think that we can just go back to chalkboards or spiral notebooks. You have to be able to implement technology, you know, and NASA and Suffolk County, they already do it and they do it well. And, you know, for example, if you're reading Gulliver's travel, okay, I like using this analogy, Gulliver's travel and whatever the next stop is, you have a kid come up to the classroom and you put in Google maps the coordinates of where they currently are in the story and you do the street view and you get to see how interactive it is. Maybe some type of software of Oregon's trail, something make it interactive. So the kids aren't going from, I don't want to be here straight to their home computers. I'm very big in STEM. Okay. I think STEM education is going to be the future. It's already started. Um, you know, and there's not enough opportunity for kids to pursue a career in science, technology, engineering, and, and, and you know, mathematics, when that's going to be the entire job market in five years. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that you touched on was educating the educators. And we see it now that they're so focused on getting educators to worry about the child's feelings and not excluding people. Instead of teaching them how to reach these kids and get them to learn, because de Blasio's whole thing was, I want a higher graduation rate, right? Gradu graduation rate, Jesus. I went to public school, but I was on Long Island. Can I ask you, where did you go? <laughs> well, I started at PS221 in Queens, but then I finished off on Long Island. So my school's rating just went down. But essentially what we have now is no one is prepared for college. You have more no. kids graduating, but they're not prepared for college. And you're not, they're not preparing teachers. I literally, we literally, they sent them to PDs to learn, oh, you have implicit bias. Yes. Everyone in the world has implicit bias. But why is that a full day of PD? Why don't you have them going, this is how you use Google Classroom. This is how you can integrate this lesson into Google Classroom. Or this is how you can avoid cyberbullying. You know, if you're so worried about children's feelings, you know, turn on certain, you know, safeguards that are on the computer or on the iPad. It, like you said, it's all feelings, no facts. Bullies and kids that are violating and being, you know, violent in school, they're not even being suspended. I think they're getting, uh, what is it, psychological timeout or whatever you, you want to sugarcoat it with. Um, and it's, it's a complete farce. And I really think it's doing a disservice to the education system. But then one can make the argument, if you look at the whole Varsity Blue scandal, is it really necessary to now take out hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans to go to college 
okay, when companies in tech specifically, you know, um, Microsoft and things like that, they don't require a college degree, you know, and having a pedigree in blockchain technology, I can tell you as a co-founder of a cryptocurrency myself, I worked with some of the most brilliant, brilliant people of all ages, all over the country, all over the state. And some of these kids never even left their basements. It's, it's not important that you have a piece of paper that you spend $80,000, $100,000 on to say that you can get a job when you don't know what to do with it. Well, we can safely say that the education vote is now gone because he said you don't need the piece of paper. He said the magic works. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, you know what? I think that the teachers are sick and tired of being held accountable for a system that is no longer working for them. It's working against them. I don't think it's fair at all that they have to deal with lesson planning. I mean, my sister was a teacher and when, you know, before she moved out, I had to hear every day how hard teachers had it. And I didn't understand. I kept, you know, you know, mocking her a little bit. I kept saying how difficult it was that she had a whole week off in February and two months off in the summer and how bad can it be? It's bad. I mean, no, they get up early, they go to bed late at night, they're lesson planning. It's tough. It's tough when you don't get the help that they need. It's also tough when the kids don't like your lesson plan that you stood up hours for. I mean, that's something that we, right. That's something that we had to do. And I just had a few hours a day after, you know, because it was an after school program. Um, and I had, you know, my, you, I was an assistant teacher. My, um, the other one, we, it was the two of us uh, with our group. And that was just for about, I'd take three hours a day about yeah. and you're just it, that was a lot and that was with help but i will say this when it comes to you know the the child's feelings we're valuing a lot of the child's feelings and trying not to get upset or trying to be very overly sensitive i was always put with the eldest ages of the of the um, of my job in childcare because i had structure i implemented structure with you know i'd say tough love and the most rewarding part was that I had the students come up to me. You know, it doesn't matter how upset I, w- I might have gotten with them. I spoke to them and said, listen, this is where you're messing up. And I said, I am going to talk to your parents about this. I am going to, you know, communicate with your parents and say, listen, your child is not getting the material. I actually went to the school administrators and said, listen, I'm getting the back end and reteaching the lesson that I'm technically not uh, you know, qualified for. I'm reteaching the entire day's lesson to the select group of students from this teacher. Something is either wrong with the curriculum, but I don't think that it's entirely the curriculum's fault because the other half of the, of the class, because they came from like three or four different classrooms and you just had them in a group, are getting it. Why are these students not getting it? And I'll I tell you why. It's because a lot, of it's, a lot of it is in the home. I'm sorry, I'll say it. Bottom line, parents, a lot of parents nowadays are phoned in parents, okay? My child needs to be on Ritalin. My child's on the spectrum. Kids have issues. I understand that. All right. But sometimes kids just don't understand material. They don't have parents that help them explain it. Uh, A lot of them phone it in. And when kids don't do well, now all of a sudden they care and they shift the blame. And that's what happens. You know, and some parents work, both parents work two jobs. It's very difficult. I understand that. But how much more can a teacher do? How many resources need to be expended before we hold secondary tertiary resources and circumstances accountable it's not just the teacher's problem i mean i think the three of us will all probably say that we were very lucky 
to be educated by those whom it, you know, instilled, um, you know, knowledge to us. But I remember if I spoke improperly at the dinner table, I mean, I, the look I, my father would give me, you know, um, you know, if I didn't say pardon me, he would go, what? Who, who's what? Who do you think you're talking to? But it starts in the home. Yeah. And from there, it starts on the little league field and in the ice hockey rink. Yep. There are you, you don't you're not the last winner. Like you lost, you don't get a participation ribbon. You failed. You get up, you do it again, and you learn not to fail the same way twice. And that's the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. yeah, I played soccer. We didn't win a game all year. Guess what I did? I stopped playing soccer and started playing a real sport. But I was going to say <laughs> soccer's not a real sport, and yeah, that's yeah. it. Of course, the Hispanic guy in this podcast is the only one that actually played soccer. But, you know, and decently, not the best, but I'd say. But, I mean, what you're saying also has a lot of validity. I mean, afterwards, of course, I would also speak with the parents, and a lot of it was, you know, I got backlash because I'm like, why isn't my, my child's homework finished? I'm like, because this is homework help, not, we're not, you know, we're going to sit here, screw the lesson plans and activities we had for the day, and, you know, just so I can help your suit. Like, if we give them an hour, because out of the three hours that we had, you know, two and a half hours would be devoted just to homework help. And we were like, yeah. and then, you know, we got the, well, why didn't my kids go outside to play? They're supposed to be playing and doing homework. Help. And, you know, that's when you had to, I had to drop the hammer sometimes and say, listen, at this point, we give you an hour. If we realize that the whole class is feeling a little bit, you know, is a little bit upset and they don't really understand, then we'll push it for another half hour. But if you don't, you know, if you can't get it, that's when you have to do it at the home. And a lot of the times it'll just be where, the parents would do it themselves or yep. they'll just leave it. They, they won't care. They'll be like, all right, well, whatever you got, you're just submitting. New York City, New York City public ex- uh, education facilities, they're just the largest babysitting centers in America. That's what they've become. And it's sad. It's what they, I mean, we used to have after school programs uh, with some activities. If the parents would be late picking us up from work, but we still learned. We still interacted. We played dodgeball. We learned what it was like. I used to, I got bullied. I used to bully. It was part about being a 10 year old kid, you know? And the fact of the matter is, is that kids are not being given an opportunity to explore new venues. And by that, I also mean, channeling new emotions new feelings and it's because they're hiding behind their computers they're not scraping their knees you know skateboarding or or playing sports they're being coddled and that's not the school's fault it's not parents fault it's just the it's just the generation that we live in the christian i'm not gonna try and fix that in politics you can't fix that in politics no but that's all yeah you have to account for variable change and go with the times but you don't just follow along like a sheep you try and steer the ship into a better, healthier, hands-on, um, you know, type of initiative. Yeah, there definitely is a culture problem, but and it's permeating larger portions of society. I mean, I talked about, you know, PDs where they're teaching them how to, you know, make the kids feel better about themselves. And they're like, well, you know, it's not really nice to tell a young boy if he scrapes his knee to get up and, and tough it out and be a man. You know what? Right. It is. Tough it out. You scraped your knee. You're not dying. Man up. Walk it off, Walk it off so to speak, you know? <clears throat> I mean, my father My father was in the Marines. You know, he he was very um, conservative in the, in, the, uh, culture, in the educational, cultural, parental sense. Uh, he also happened to be very uh, politically conservative. But, you know, um, I was always a questioner. 
Uh, we used to go to church and I used to ask questions as to why. When I didn't get the answer, that wasn't enough for me. <laughs> um, so when I said, I don't agree with one side, I don't agree with the other side, I said, I think it's dangerous to politically pigeonhole yourself. The libertarian values and norms just made more sense to me. Live and let live, you know? Um, do what you need to do. Just don't in let it infringe upon the right of the next person that wants to do it. Big government is a big problem, okay? Um, Second Amendment, right to defend yourself, fine. AR-15s in Walmart, it's a conversation worth having as to whether or not it's necessary, okay? In the city of New York, I'm saying now. I'm not running for president. I'm not running for mayor or governor. I am trying to bring the narrative back to the five communities that I'm responsible to look out for, okay? And that's going to be stopping the crime rate from skyrocketing this summer inevitably um it's going to be the education system and then you know uh, one last thing to put in there honestly the the new york city firefighters it's it's a disgrace they have no job description they have no city contract okay these guys they're mostly tier three they have their pension rolled back um, and they need a fifth man on their engines and the uniform firefighter association. They, these guys, uh, you know, they, they break their ass, you know, and hopefully they'll get a contract soon. And that's why every day of the week I've been trying to go and donate masks to each firehouse in Queens, you know, not just in Howard beach in my district, but you know, you go to, it's basically in their handbook that if a civilian wants to take a picture with you, they're going to take a picture with you. These they're amazing men and women. They, they, they work hard. They run into burning buildings. They clean up toxic spills. They administer Narcan. They wear hazmat suits, riot gear. They fucking do everything. Okay. And you know, they don't, it's not reflected uh, accurately. So that's got to get changed. The UFT, that's another thing that's got to get changed. Am I going to make that change? I can't, but you better, better believe I'm going to start the conversation. Um, I, think, I think that's the biggest thing is that someone needs to start the conversation. There are a lot of bigger problems and people who run for office are always like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix that. And they can't do anything. Out of that stuff by themselves. You, you could bring attention, shine light on it, exploit the flaws and the failures. I mean, at the very least, there has to be accountability, <clears throat> you know, closing Rikers Island bail elimination act. We're letting prisoners out of jail People are committing anti-Semitic hate crimes four or five times being re-released. And then you hear about summonses and everything else for people that aren't socially distancing during a pandemic. What, Evan, I, mean, I don't know where we are, what galaxy we're in. All I know is that if, you know, ET doesn't phone home soon, this city is going to absolutely be unidentifiable. And people really just need to get out and realize if you're a registered voter, I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, working group, libertarian, vote with your, your, your conscience and vote from the bottom up this time. Vote local. And I think people are starting to realize how important that is now. Um, they're starting to see that there is less that can be blamed on the president and more that can be, you know, questioned of local leaders and city councilmen and assemblymen, and et cetera, you know, so people just really need to know that a, a Republican vote at the city or local level doesn't necessarily mean a vote for Trump could be, may not be, 
But if you're in a city that has gone to shit like New York with respect to the cost of living, um, the, 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 they want to punish you when you're successful, like a wealth tax. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, you know, less carbon emissions and this and that and then AOC and God, she's, she's great. Isn't she? She is the worst. She posted something to, to help her. People essentially people were rioting to help them riot better by, you know, giving him like, you know, wear these clothes, cover tattoos, make yeah, sure you have yeah. turning gloves. Like it's absolutely, nonsense. I mean, listen, when it comes to being a Congresswoman, I think she does it really goodly. Okay. And anybody who has an education out there knows how funny that joke is because goodly clearly isn't a word. And the fact is, is that she, listen, she played the card well. If you dug into her background, she went to a nice little white hoity-toity school up in, you know, Westchester County. And all it took was for her to very insultingly throw on an accent and flail her arms around like a wacky inflatable arm flailing tube man at a used car lot. And that's it. That's all it takes. In my opinion, we need we need more Dave Portnoy's than we do these these phoned in, um, you know, congressional leaders. Because that guy on Barstool, man, he tells it how it is. Holy God! I think that's the biggest thing is we need more people like you, people like Liz Joy, Beth Parlato, people who understand what the job is. The job is to help make change for the people in your district. Give them what they want. It's the people that you're representing, and that that's what your job is. It's not to make a name for yourself. It's no. not so you can virtue signal on the Senate floor. It's about the people. That's who your boss is. That's who you're there to work yes. with. It's your taxpayer dollars that are paying my or the elected official salary. Um, and I think people just go straight down the line on a ballot box. Uh, you know, but this year it's going to be different. People think that the pandemic, the quarantine, look, I've been told by, by the members of my party, you got to get out there. You got to knock on doors. You got to hand out pamphlets. Listen, I'm not that type of person. I'm a very private person, but also I don't want somebody knocking on my door at six o'clock at night uh, at my home, especially now it's invasive. It's intrusive. And it's a little weird. People aren't as receptive to it, mm. but there's other means of communicating, especially with the younger generation who are going to be impacted the most in the next 10 years. A hundred percent. I completely agree. And I think that's a good place for us to stop today. Pete, if you can just give the folks at home information on where they can find out more about your campaign, yeah. where they can find you on social media and where they can donate. Should they, should they choose to do that? Yeah. So it's um, Peter assembly.com and there's links to uh, social media there. There's a donation page, donate, don't donate. All I ask is that you just read, educate yourself a little bit on the problems um, and just know that whatever way you vote, get out and vote because uh, it's on us as, as citizens of New York to turn it around for the better. Yeah, the city is in desperate need. But guys, make sure that you like, share, subscribe this show, share it with conservative friends, share it with liberal friends who need to be educated. They desperately need to be educated because they don't know what they're doing. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Get Red Pilled on Y, on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives, on Twitter at Empire State Cons, and check out our website at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com. For that, everyone stay safe and don't let fear take your freedom. Where we go one, we go all, brother. Exactly. Exactly.